Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? I want to take you back to a time when people didn't have gyms or Peloton bikes or dumbbells or group classes or workout apps and certainly didn't have pre and post workout drinks or anything like that. How did people stay fit in ye olden days? (laughs) We can look back, actually, way back, like we're going today, back to fitness in biblical times and see that even without all of these modern fitness advantages, people were indeed able to stay fit. And there wasn't an obesity epidemic, a diabetes epidemic, a cardiovascular crisis like we have today. Now, they may have died more often from things like childbirth or infection, but not from the chronic illness and disease that is so prevalent in our modern society. Oh, and they ate lots of bread back in biblical times too, all the carby things. So we could talk about this actually from many angles, but today we're focusing on exercise because it is our last and final goal of the Genesis prescription. Now, you will be hard-pressed to find much reference to exercise in the Bible. There are a lot of metaphorical analogical type references and verses, which I love and use a lot, but you don't get any actual like, you know, Fergie up in the gym, just working on my fitness (laughs) kind of references. Do you know what I mean? Y'all know Fergie? I don't know what happened to her. Maybe she's still up in the gym. I don't know, but I used to love her music. Um, But I, you know, I can tell you who is not in the gym and it's biblical women. You're not going to read about them running five miles a day, sweating it out to a Sean T video or going to Pilates class. The thought of it's really kind of funny, isn't it? Kind of absurd because of course they didn't, they couldn't, but their physical activity was naturally built into their everyday lives and not something that they did separately like we do. They didn't need to go work out because their lives were a workout. Daily chores and getting from one place to another kept them moving all day long. They would probably think that the way we approach exercise is absurd, (laughs) especially as women. They would be like, wait, you run down the road for an hour on purpose? You count how many times you can pick up these heavy metal bars? Who on earth has time for such things? (laughs) Those are the kinds of things I imagine them saying if they could have a peek into our society today. This topic kind of fascinates me in light of the fact of how we approach exercise today. You know, when I left Houston to move to the ranch, which has been about, gosh, 23 years now, I cannot believe that, um, I had a lot of apprehensions about leaving the city and moving to the country. I mean, naturally. 
But one of those was wondering how I was going to exercise. I hate to admit that I was so shallow, but I, I was. And I had to transfer my gym membership uh, to my best friend before I left Houston. And I remember thinking, she is going to use this and get all fit. And I'm going to be in the country getting all fat because I can't work out. <laughs> I die a little bit to admit that. But, you know, I was a city girl through and through. And that was just kind of the exercise culture at the time. You know, go to the gym and punish yourself on the Stairmaster. Maybe do some weight machines or go to a step class. You know, burn off all those calories. Um, and there was no gym here. So I was like, what am I going to do? Never mind the fact that I was eating a billion carbs a day and avoiding fat because, you know, also at that time, fat was bad for you back in those days. That was in my early 20s when I was at my heaviest weight and felt the worst I've ever felt in my life, even though I was working out in the gym every day and dutifully eating fat-free. Uh, my health education was still yet to come, but I could tell you that it started when I moved to the ranch and got out of my bubble and my narrow perspective about both exercise and food. When I was like, how am I going to work out? My husband looked around and said, um, you have miles and miles and space everywhere to walk, ride a bike, uh, or you can help me. I'll put you to work. There's a lot of fitness to be had on a ranch, you know, whether it's lugging around 50 pound sacks of salt and mineral or standing out in the blazing sun, fixing fence or checking cattle on horseback. It's what I would call functional exercise, which is a byproduct of the work that you're doing. And it's a perfect way to describe how our biblical ancestors got theirs. And it's what we're going to talk about today. Ancient exercise was functional exercise. It was a byproduct of people living their everyday lives. Now, sure, you know, at that time back then, men engaged in some times of sport. But overall, the population simply moved and got exercise because they had to get things done. And while I don't think any of us are ready to trade places for the hard work it took to live in biblical times, it's kind of refreshing to reconsider how unconvoluted and accessible exercise can be. I think we all understand the benefits of exercise for our health. I mean, it lowers blood pressure and improves heart function. It regulates blood sugar and increases insulin sensitivity. It strengthens bones and builds muscle. It improves memory and overall brain function. It reduces stress, anxiety, and depression. It releases endorphins, improves mood, and it boosts quality sleep at night. I mean, the results are unquestionable. And we know that, yet a lot of us struggle to get it done. And what I hope today's podcast will do is kind of reframe your perspective um, inspire you and delight you with some of God's word, and of course, get you moving. And to know that it doesn't have to be a big orchestrated deal to get some exercise. We don't have to have expensive equipment or drive across town to a gym. We certainly can, but we can also walk out the front door and around the neighborhood or rake leaves or work in the garden. The beautiful thing is we do have so many choices and so many interesting ways to engage in exercise. It doesn't matter how we choose to move as long as we do. God did not create these bodies to sit idle. If we look at his word in the beginning in Genesis, where we always start for our Genesis prescription goals, it says in Genesis 2.15, 
The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So from the beginning, God tasks Adam and Eve to work in the garden. You know, he could have made it so everything took care of itself and they could have just hung out and not had to do anything, but that's not how he did it. From the beginning, God establishes integrity in work and value in movement. And with that comes a healthier, fitter body. One of the most important ways we care for our body, our holy temple, is by moving it. And that's why our Genesis prescription goal this week is to get 10,000 steps a day. That is a good daily baseline um, to ensure plenty of functional and effective movement. You can absolutely add extra forms of exercise um, this week, and I encourage you to, but at a minimum, get in your 10, okay? Your 10K, your 10,000 steps. And we're gonna actually start um, with walking and talking about walking because it was the primary way our ancestors stayed healthy and active. Walking is often overlooked and underappreciated as effective exercise, but it is one of the most impactful forms of fitness. My love affair with walking, um, walking outside began when I moved to the ranch and it has been my primary form of exercise ever since. Now I did work with a trainer for about six months around four years ago. Um, but aside from that, you know, little stint, I haven't belonged to a gym since I left Houston 23 years ago. And the only time that I do work out in a gym is if I'm in a hotel, you know, or something like that. Um, you know, and I'm more fit and feel better now in my mid 40s than I did way back then in my early 20s, when I was working out in a gym, you know, um, and it's just because I have uh, part of that is that I've walked consistently for over 20 years. Now, like I alluded to earlier, we often associate exercise with something that has to be harsh and punishing and unenjoyable, you know? And so we either avoid it because that doesn't sound fun or we procrastinate, right? We put it off because it doesn't sound fun or we put it off until we get real official about it, you know, like joining a gym or signing up for a class because something like walking as exercise doesn't seem or feel official or challenging enough. Now, don't get me wrong, joining a gym or classes or using a workout app is awesome. And quite often paying for services like that really helps keep you accountable because you've got some skin in the game. Um, but I'm talking to all of you who keep putting off exercise because you think it has to be something official, you know, um, and it doesn't. For real, all you have to do is walk out your door and keep walking for a little while. Um, you know, and the thing is, walking is always available to you. It is free and it is effective. Now, get this. This is going to blow your mind. It is estimated that Jesus walked 21,525 miles in his earthly lifetime. How did somebody figure that out? I don't know. <laughs> it's a lot of math I don't want to think about. Actually, I came across some really interesting articles, as I always do when I read and research for these topics, and um, one man felt moved to calculate how many miles Jesus and Mary walked in their lifetimes. Maybe you've heard of this guy. His name is um, Arthur Blessett. He is 80 years old, and he holds a Guinness World Record for the world's longest walk. He has been walking 
and carrying a 12-foot cross across the world for 54 years, since 1968. And to date, he has walked 43,340 miles. It is absolutely amazing. And it wasn't until I came across this article for this podcast that I put two and two together and realized that I have actually seen this guy. I saw him walking through Sonora one day and I was like, what is that guy doing? <laughs> Carrying that big cross. It was, you know, um, but now I know and it's just, wow. I mean, what a ministry. So cool. Such a blessing. I'll link to his site in the show notes. Um, but the the article that um, I've got this information from there is called Miles, Jesus and Mary Walked. And, you know, as a walker himself, he just felt led to figure this out. So God bless him for the knowledge and math skills that it took. He concludes that Mary, mother of Jesus, walked at least half the distance around the world at the equator and that Jesus walked almost the full distance around the world, um, if you're counting it at the equator. And the distance around the world at the equator is 24,901.55 miles. So um, Mr. Blessed calculated and shows how Mary walked 12,187 miles by the time she was 50 years old and how Jesus walked over 21,000 miles during his lifetime. Now, we know that walking was the primary way people would have gotten anywhere, you know, and when you consider the, when you consider, you know, how often they would have had to walk for just daily short distances, you know, to get what they needed, get things done, see their neighbors, see other people, and the long distances they walked to get to another town, especially those long distances they would have traveled for annual feasts and the Passover celebration, the miles would add up pretty quickly. For instance, Arthur uh, Blessed points out that Jesus would have traveled a lot between uh, Nazareth and Jerusalem. And each time he would have walked, it would have been between 60 to 90 miles each way. Apparently, it depends on which route you take um, because, um, you know, you had to take into consider consideration the terrain, the weather, and the dangerous territory. Apparently, one way there was more dangerous than another. So anyway, um, it was anywhere between 60 and 90 miles. But can you imagine doing that um, to get somewhere? Um, and not only that, but walk in the steep, hilly terrain. Or, you know, how about in the heat of the summer in a long robe? Goodness gracious. <laughs> But they did it all the time. And there was no like gold prize or recognition for it. That was just daily life, you know. Um, and here's some of the other foot journeys we read about in the Bible. The walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus, you know, the walk to Emmaus, when uh, Jesus kind of stealthily joined two of his followers who did not recognize him. Um, that's That was a seven-mile walk. Um, the 12-mile hilly walk that Jesus and his disciples um, made between Jericho and Jerusalem is referenced in Mark 1046. How about the 90 mile walk that a newly pregnant Mary made from Nazareth to the Judean hill country to see her cousin Elizabeth? Remember, Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist and um, Mary went to see her. And when Mary got there and she spoke, um, Elizabeth's baby leaped in her belly. John the Baptist leaped in her belly when he heard Mary's voice. So cool. And it says Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, and then, you know, we have the 90-mile journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem that a very pregnant Mary made 
Um, with Joseph, they had to travel to register for the census. And, you know, it's often depicted that Mary rode a donkey, but that is actually, uh, there's no proven record of that. Um, that's what I came across. So she very well might have walked that entire way, big and pregnant. Um, you didn't really get a lot of special treatment, I guess, for being pregnant. You know, if you had to get somewhere, you had to walk. And thinking on these kinds of things, you know, always gives me such good perspective. I think of these hardy pregnant women who did so much physical work and didn't have the food availability like we do today, you know. And so when someone comes to me, um, you know, and ask me questions, maybe something like, is it okay to intermittent fast if I'm pregnant? And I think of these ancestral women who not eating for, you know, at least 12 hours would not have even been considered fasting. It would have been considered normal. Um, I'm not a doctor and I'm not trying to give you advice here. I'm just saying, I think we need a good dose of perspective sometimes to inform our common sense about health, you know, like getting 10,000 steps a day. When you put it in the frame of reference of how much our ancestors walked, it's a drop in the bucket and it really ought to be a baseline bare minimum instead of a top end goal for us. As a society, we sit way too much and it's putting us at a significantly increased risk for illness, poor health um, conditions and disease. In fact, sitting has been called the new smoking in case you haven't heard that. Um, but since we're unlikely to get warning labels on chairs, we'd better be our own health advocates and remind ourselves to get up and move often. Even if you do get your 10,000 steps done in one fell swoop, you still need to move intermittently throughout the day to maintain good health. Also, if you haven't heard, walking has been called the new running, <laughs> mostly because there's so much more, there's so much less wear and tear, you know in the long run, so to speak, um, when you walk more than you run. And it's just less stressful to the body. People who are struggling with overtaxed adrenal glands due to high stress would be better to walk instead of run because it's gentler and it doesn't signal the body that anything is wrong. You know, historically, you have to think about this. If somebody was running, it was because of danger, of a dangerous situation and not by choice, you know, and those kind of instinctive signals live in our cells. And so running can trigger those primer, primal danger signals within us, which puts our body in that fight or flight mode uh, because you're flighting, because <laughs> you're running. Um, but anyway, all that to say, if you're working on stress and nurturing your adrenal glands, walking may be a better choice than running for you. Okay, look at, let's look at some other functional exercise that we see women doing in the Bible. Um, here's a verse from Genesis 24. Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. Now, in biblical times, women had the daily task of fetching water from the local well or spring. But this passage um, is when Abraham sends a servant back to his native land to look for a wife for Isaac. Their servant goes, and when he gets there, he goes to the local well because he knows that's where he's going to find the ladies around evening time. And the servant had prayed that God would make the right woman for Isaac appear and respond to his request for water. And so even before the servant is finished praying that prayer that God would show him, here comes beautiful Rebecca with her jug on her shoulder, and she very graciously gets water not only for the servant, but also for the camels. I love this story because Rebecca was just going about her everyday chores. 
you know, and her life changed in an instant. The server, uh, servant gives her like all kinds of jewelry and they go back and talk to her family. And before you know it, she is off to her new life to marry Isaac and become a really significant part of God's story. And I think of this story often when I need to remember that God can change our circumstances in an instant. I just think this is a really cool story. Um, but let's talk about this lifting heavy chore that women had to do and you know which many still do today in some places around the world where running water is not available man we take such luxuries for granted so don't we i mean can you imagine carrying a heavy earthenware jug full of water on your shoulder or your head as commonly done every morning or evening And sometimes, in addition to the jug, women also had to carry uh, their own hard leather bucket and rope in order to draw out the water because there wasn't anything left at the well for them to get the water out with. And so they would have to carry their bucket to, you know, scoop it out and put it in their jar. Remember when the Samaritan woman at the well said to Jesus, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. So that's an example. He did not have his own bucket (laughs) to draw the water. But what he did have was the promise of living water, you know, and if you remember the story, he revealed to her that ultimately it was he, the Messiah, that would be the source of eternal life. Beautiful story. Um, So these women, if we think about this, I mean, basically had a little weightlifting activity built into their daily life. You know, one of the most made me think of one of the most fit times in my life was when my kids were babies. And I had to haul them up and down the stairs all day long. And as they got heavier and it got harder, I just remember powering through and just telling myself, you know, I'm just getting all this awesome exercise. This is awesome for my body. (laughs) Because that was some quintessential functional exercise. And I remember when they got old enough and I didn't have to carry them anymore. I was like, I should carry jugs of water up and down the stairs 10 times a day to simulate that good exercise, you know, I was getting. It was a good idea that I never did, but I should probably reconsider that. Um, You know, it's just one of those good examples of how you don't need fancy equipment. Get a couple water jugs, walk up and down your stairs if you've got them. Um, Another thing I did, I also did a lot of lunges and squats around the playground when my kids were little. Um, Again, you know, just trying to use my time efficiently, wisely, get in a little uh, body workout. Over the years, I've mostly done resistance training, you know, using my own body weight, like lunges, squats, and push-ups, and just kind of doing it where I can, Um, at the playground, around my house, in my backyard, at the ranch, just, you know, around in the pasture. Um, Just, again, you don't have to have fancy equipment, you know, and whether it's using external weights or the weight of your body, it is important to do these kind of weight-bearing activities. Um, We build muscle and strengthen bones by adding in that kind of exercise a couple times a week. Um, And, and, you know, the more muscle that we build through strength training, the more energy our bodies burn at rest, like when we're doing nothing. (laughs) I love that. This is not the case when we solely do cardiovascular exercise. But after lifting or, you know, or, or doing some strength training, our muscles keep working even when we are not. So that's some serious bang for your buck. 
And it is just magical, you know, doing strength training, um, working out with weights or your body weight is magical for changing your body composition. So if you if you do want to lean out and tone up, incorporating weight training is the way to get there. Now, other tasks women did that helped keep them strong and physically fit included grinding grain and making bread. Both were fairly arduous tasks. Um, It could take up to half a day for the women to grind the grain into flour. Freshly ground flour didn't keep for very long. It would spoil. And so they had to do it pretty often, like almost every day. And that's, that's kind of a good example of the glaring difference between ancient bread and modern bread. One spoils quickly and one can sit on the shelf for weeks and weeks at a time. But bread was a staple in the Israelite diet and it had to be made almost every day. Um, And so this grinding and kneading and making bread would have been quite an arm workout. It makes me think of the Proverbs woman, you know, and in Proverbs 31, 17, it says, she sets about her work vigorously and her arms are strong for her tasks. So you think of, you know, grinding grain, kneading bread, throw in some water jug carrying, and it's no wonder the Bible ladies had some guns on them, right? And those three chores alone would have taken up a lot of the day, and yet there was so much more to do. You know, children to tend, cloth to weave, things to wash, cooking to do. Much of it is similar to our tasks today, except that we have modern conveniences, you know, to do a lot of those things easier and faster. There was not much downtime for ancestral women, nor room for an, you know, I don't feel like it today attitude. There was no, I don't feel like getting water today. I don't feel like grinding wheat today. I just want to lay in the courtyard all day. (laughs) If they wanted their families to eat, drink, and be clothed, they had to work. And with that work came movement. And with that movement came health, functional fitness. I bet they fell into bed with absolute exhaustion and slept so well at the end of the day because of all of their physical exertion. Um, You know, it's a far cry from the way that we approach exercise now, which involves sitting most of the day and then bursting into action, you know, for a designated hour, if even that, of activity. And, you know, I know times are different, you know, and again, we're not going to revert back to the way it was. I just think there's good perspective and takeaways here. You know, like Bible women made fresh food and and stayed busy. They ate a lot of bread. (laughs) They didn't count calories or macros or use sophisticated equipment to work out or worry about their pre or post workout food. You know, we just tend to overthink and overcomplicate things when the bottom line is that we need to eat high quality food and we need to move. I think back to that Proverbs 31 woman, who is one so many of us aspire to be, you know, she is the quintessential TCB, like taking care of business kind of woman. She gets her work done and cares well for her household. She is smart and kind and has a good relationship with her family. Her life surely, you know, had its challenges and so, so does ours, though in different ways. But, you know, what we have in common with our biblical sisters is a love of the Lord and the desire to use our body to his good service. And as long as we keep moving physically and spiritually toward that goal, our pursuits will be blessed. Psalm 37, 23 says, a person's steps are made secure by the Lord when they delight in his way. We're going to take a lot of steps in our life 
my friend. Hopefully you'll take a lot more now that you've heard this podcast. But I hope that you take delight and gratitude in the way that God designed our incredible bodies and the way that he made them to move. The more steps you take, the more strength you build, the more you fortify your holy temple to do the kingdom work that you are called to do. Never forget that our highest health goal is to be an excellent vessel of the Holy Spirit. You're going to walk a lot of places in your life as a believer. And as, as it is written in Romans 10, 15, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So walk with Christ, my friend, and bring more people back to him. All right. This is the end of our Genesis prescription challenge. I can't believe it. But guess what? It's really not the end because it's not the end of your body needing everything that we've learned and practiced and talked about over the last eight weeks. Your body always needs plenty of water and sunshine and connection with the earth and plant foods and animal foods and kingdom breath and sleep and movement. Everything we need to be healthy is revealed right there in Genesis in the beginning with our bodies working in relation to creation, just as God designed it. I hope you've been inspired, educated, and grown stronger in God's word throughout this series. Do me a favor, take a minute and leave a review in Apple Podcasts and tell me which Genesis prescription week or goal was your favorite or stood out to you or where you learned the most. That would bless me so much to know how it blessed you, and it will draw others to the podcast to more God and better health. And I would be so grateful to hear from you and you be a part of the way that that message spreads. So thank you so much for listening, so much for being here. I hope you have a healthy and blessed week, and I will talk to you soon. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.